This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. everybody, what's up? The CBC Wisdom Hour number 51. I'm Steve Witchell in New Orleans. Tony B coming to you live from New Jersey. What up? What's up? It is February 26, 2019. We're in Mardi Gras season right now, so my life is crazy. Crazy. Um, but we have... Episode ha- number... 51. 51! Yes. Uh, but we have a special guest today. I love having guests. Um... From thehardtimes.net, Mr. Matt Sancone. What's up, buddy? Going good, man. Thanks for having me. Is someone playing with a snare drum in the back there? Yeah, that's Tony. Totally drum roll, yeah. He's oh, a all right. I've got a snare drum here, too. Should I? Wait, give me one second. Oh, yeah, bring it all in. We can have a jam. There, wait. Nice. It's Matt from the Hard Times. Very nice. Um, <laughs> I love it. I like how we all just great. have instruments like somehow near our desk. Yeah, sound effects are great. Um, I'm in my studio. I got a whole, I got xylophones. Uh, I got all kinds of stuff. I just have a snare drum by my desk. I started playing a new <laughs> band, and uh, I have my drum. My snare drum was fucked. So I just got a new one. It's a, uh, it's a maple um, armory. I don't know. It sounds really good. I like it. Or Mapex. Mapex. Yes. Cool. Very cool. So everybody, Matt is a, a founder of The Hard Times, which is a uh, an online publication, shares uh, blogs uh, of all sorts of topics. And the one that caught my attention, because I curate um, content for the page every day, and uh, they write a lot about music and musicians, and a lot of it is very funny, even from just the headline, it, it cracks me up. So... I share this stuff often, and I saw a post from you, it, I guess it was from you, Matt, um, a few weeks ago where you just um, said, uh, we'll be on somebody's podcast, and I said, so I connected uh, with you, and uh, we set this up, so happy to have you here. Yeah, man, I, I'm happy uh, I'm happy to connect to people who are in the same world as me, sharing 
musician related stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's great to great to meet both of you. So what's so I, I was reading the about section on the the website. So it started in 1982. Is that true? <laughs> or is that uh, for the funny? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the that's the official story. I got an inside scoop that we actually started in uh, 2014. Um, okay, December of 2014. Um, it was an idea I had that I thought just me and my punk friends uh, would like. You know, just I thought maybe 20, 30 people would be on the website and uh, spread pretty quickly, and now millions of people read it. So, uh, it turned out to be a bigger idea than I thought it was. Yeah. So. Uh, um are you a musician yourself? I mean, you uh, yeah, just playing the drums. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I, I play in punk bands. I don't know. I okay. Mean, yeah, like the drummer um, dude is the most important yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. But, I was, uh, I drummed in a whole bunch of different hardcore bands, and then I was the front man in a couple hardcore bands. So I don't know if shouting bad poetry aggressively over a microphone in a basement is being a musician, <laughs> but I'm that. So, there, yeah. There are musicians I, who are less than that, so. I'm a... <laughs> I'm a musician in the way where I've played for zero paid in a bar and I've toured the country and slept on floors and stuff. So yeah, I'm a musician. Yeah, there you go. You qualify. Um, so definitely what, <laughs> what was the, the, the whole impetus from the beginning? Like you said, I mean, did you start writing yourself, writing articles or did you have a team of people right away or what was the whole, so I actually, I actually had the idea when I was in college and, um, it was just going to be a section in my punk scene. I had a punk scene called, punks 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 and it was a kind of a comedy zine and um i ended up going punks (laughs) yeah my i was in a punk band really into punk music i started a punk scene called punks 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 and uh it was supposed to be punk comedy but i learned how to become a journalist i went to sf state and got a journalism degree and i learned these news writing skills how to write like ap style like make it look like a news story i thought it'd be funny to mix that with comedy and punk culture that was the original idea and uh i thought that you know, there's the New York Times, and then there's like the hipster version. The the alternative is Vice, right? I looked at the Onion, and I didn't see like a hipster alternative version. And I thought I could start that, and uh, so I wrote up a whole bunch of different stories, and I showed them to my friends, and they all said, "This is a terrible idea. No one's going to read this, <laughs> and you're going to get beat up." <laughs> and so I put the idea away for a couple of years, and then fast forward, I graduate from college. I'm a freelance journalist, which basically means I'm just, you know, losing a lot of money and hate myself. Um, and I have some extra time on my hands. And I took pretty much all the money I had left and I put it into starting this website. And somehow, some way, the people liked it. And um, yeah, it spread up real quick. And all of a sudden, we had a, a media property on our hands. That's awesome. I, I mean, I love the content. There's so much, it's so rich in content. Um, now, when you say punk, like, I mean, the, the impression I get is like it's inspired by punk music, but is that like a whole scene or is it just, are you referring to the music itself? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up, uh, going to shows in the Bay area, hardcore punk scene. So I was really into like uh, 1980s hardcore in particular. Um, and street punk. I, at one point in my life had like a Mohawk and a studded leather jacket, that sort of stuff. Um, then I got into, you know, uh, more modern sounding hardcore with, uh, breakdowns and, uh, beat down stuff, a little heavier music. So any sort of alternative culture, punk stuff, that's like where I was raised. So um, going to shows in you know DIY basements and warehouses and doing a tour where you're playing in backyards and you're sleeping on your friend's floor and um, that whole culture, you know, of just like really wanting to be like Black Flag. That, <laughs> right, that right, was right. that was the scene that uh, 
I came up in. And that is kind of the, the perspective of the website, at least at first. But now we have hundreds of people contributing ideas. So I feel like it's really branched out. And I really like that about it because um, there's a lot of us uh, out there in the world, musicians and uh, alternative culture people. And it's good to get a lot of different perspectives on the website. Yeah, man, I, I find the same thing with Carbon Central, too. Like um, when I started this, I knew there was kind of that scene out there. Um, mm-hmm. But but we have all these things in common no matter where you are in the world. And I think that's yeah. what really resonates with with people. And, and I think that's what resonated with me with your stuff was like, man, like yeah. everybody get like gets this on some level. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, whether you play in a cover band or you play in a uh, hardcore punk band, there are things that we relate to together and we have some shared experiences. And I guess that was really what I didn't quite understand when I was starting this website. I didn't understand. I thought I was creating something for myself and for my friends. And I didn't realize how not unique I was. Um, But I was happy (laughs) to find that out. And uh, happy to connect with people all over the world. Honestly, uh, there's people in every country who read this thing. Yeah, um, sure. So uh, it's been a big thrill to run it. Honestly, yeah. I mean, people love humor, man. Like it doesn't matter, you know. Because I would compare you to the Onion because that's mm-hmm. the most popular one that's similar to this. But I, sure, I read this the hard times much more. Um, but Hell yeah. it, 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 <laughs> but it doesn't matter that you're not unique. I mean, that's you're funny. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a great idea, and people will always like funny. You know, that's never going to stop, and that's what yeah. really gets a lot of engagement and shares and stuff on Facebook. So, so I think that the uh, the Onion is. I love the Onion. I read it a lot. I became friends with a lot of people who work at the Onion, both on the business and editorial sides. Um, after I started, and they're fans of Hard Times, and I'm fans of them. And um, the one thing I will say, there's a difference where. The Onion's every man is, he has a wife and a family and a lawn and a white picket fence, a nine-to-five job. Uh, a Hard Times character has like a, a band, a shitty roommate, and depression. So it's a, diff- <laughs> it's a different perspective. Uh, that's hilarious. Because, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I just relate to the, all those things at, at one time or another, or many times, I guess. Um, so, I, I mean, what was, uh, Tony, what were the articles that, I, I forgot which ones I sent you. I know th- there was the one about the snare drum, which, dude, I mean, just the headline. It, that's it. Like, uh, and I don't want to say it wrong, but uh, drummer tunes snare drum as if it matters or something. <laughs> yeah. And that's, uh. to, I'm, I'm a bass player. So to me, that's just hilarious that uh, <laughs> I love making fun of drummers. No offense, Tony. I definitely had Not the, taken. you know, honestly, some of this stuff, though, it comes from like, I didn't write that headline, but I'm in the editorial meetings where these things get decided upon or whatever. Right. And I remember being a kid and trying to tune my own drums. And then I remember buying like this drum tuning device, but being so ignorant that I didn't even know how to like that was the thing that was supposed to make it easier. But I didn't even know how to work that thing. Um, I, I played in the type of bands where it really didn't matter unless your snare drum was like fucking blatantly weird sounding. It was going to be fine. Right. Yeah. I Depends mean, on the style of music you play for sure. Tony, you want to chime in on the snare drum conversation? Because I don't know yeah, anything well, about it. Like definitely, your snare tuning is definitely dictated by the type of music or song you're playing. You know, whether it's tight, mm-hmm. it's going to be loose, or the depth of the snare, or the type of wood, or the metal. You know, they all have, you know, drastically different characteristics and sounds, right? So, mm-hmm. like again, depending on the style of music, you know, would dictate a choice of snare. But, um, again. For a punk, something that's fast, you know, that you're just keeping the backbeat there. 
um, you know, for that genre of music, I, I think you can get away. Like you said, even if it's uh, You've got a crappy mail. snare, but you have it mm-hmm. tuned well. You know, and you can only do so much to a crappy snare as far as tuning it. But I've got a I've got a nice deep one that I feel like it's got a lot of power behind it when I hit it. Um, it it's, yeah. it's not too poppy. You know, those like shallow ones the ska bands use. I, I like those ones, like the piccolo snares or whatever. Yeah. Um, I like those ones the way they sound, but in the type of music I play, I can't use them. So, uh, well, yeah, maybe I could, but I'm not. I'm not a uh, an interesting person. I just like to do what everyone else is doing. <laughs> sure, and it's, it's interesting you say that too because you could take a, a a piccolo snare and tune it down, you know, and have it sound deep, just like you could take a deeper snare and tune it up and have it sound like a piccolo. So you know, you can you can play the tunings, but for every drum, there's a sweet spot, you know, and that's why, like I said, depending on the type of snare, size, depth diameter, wood, metal, you know, what the shell's made of, what kind of head you have on it. I mean, the sound possibilities are endless, right? But every drum has a sweet spot, you know, where it wants to be tuned to. Mm-hmm. So that would be my advice would say, you know, find that spot on your drum. Some drums don't like to be real tight, you know, because um, they all resonate at a note, you know, which, Steve, you could appreciate, you know, on, on, the, on a scale or a keyboard. Um, you know, everything resonates. So if you were to know what that resonant property of that shell was and you tuned the drum to that, which you can kind of find, you know, with the snare off, just tune it up and then it'll ring and it'll, it'll just keep reverberating. And some snares ring forever, you know, that's because it's in, it's in unison and harmony with itself. So, yeah, you know, and then once you find that spot, that gives you that crack, that warmth, that fat. But if it's in that resonant state, you're going to have to put some muffling on it because it's going to want it's going to be real ringy, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, all good stuff. Like I said, I, I got probably 10 snare drums and they're all ra- radically different sounding. Yeah, for other guys in the band, they don't give a shit, right? Pretty that's much. Like one of the best things. That's one of the best things about playing in a band is that at band <laughs> practice, uh, everyone has these different things that they care a whole lot about, and the other people don't really understand them. Unless you got one guy who's multi-talented, play a whole bunch of different stuff. But again, I play in punk bands where everyone can only kind of play their own instrument, not <laughs> not at all. Uh, give people advice on the other ones, right? <laughs> the only advice I ever get is like, don't bring the loud snare. Mm. <laughs> you know, cause some are definitely louder than others. Mm. Can you bring symbols that aren't so loud? That's another good one. Yeah, stop hitting them so hard too. Correct. <laughs> it, you know, it just cracks. This whole thing cracks me up because, you know, being a bass player and like standing next, right next to the drummer, and just watching him with his little toy, his little tool, toy tool, and twisting these little knobs on each snare and going dunk dunk dunk, dunk 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 dunk. You know, it just. To me, it's like okay, it doesn't really matter. Does it's it? a drum key. Does it really clubs. matter? I mean, does it? You it's know, not I, a tuning toy thing. I know, that he but I, these things I'm just the trying to relate key. why this is funny to me. Why that? <laughs> why that headline? And and it it's state. It's a drummer. So tuning, that's yeah. Yeah, snare. the headline is good for people who have to talk to drummers a lot or or don't know what drummers are talking about. There's another headline we did that was uh, the other way around for drummers who have to deal with uh, guitar players who know nothing about drums, which. Uh, it says something like songwriter says uh, the beat should go a little bit like boom chuck chuck boom chuck chuck boom chuck 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 because you always play in bands with people and the the guitar player turns to you and gives you some advice on what beat you should use for each song it's always way off. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got to read a couple more of these headlines too because the, I, I'm going to actually open the articles here so I can see them. Um, sound guy not about to let guitarists tell tell him how to how. Guitar should sound. Is that the one you were just referring to, or? <laughs> well, that's a different one. That's good though. Okay. Um, isn't it like this? Wasn't there a video from this too? Oh yeah, and, uh, uh, sound man, Art of the Grumpy. Yeah, it was created by uh, Ryan Long. He's a 
uh, our video guy, he lives in Canada, and he's played in a touring band. He played in a band called Johnstones, and he did this amazing video called Art of the Grumpy that um, every sound guy had <laughs> was sharing it. Um, it. You know, the whole thing with sound sound engineers is that uh, they have to deal with a lot of, you know, idiot band guys or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's always funny how upset and grumpy they are, uh, <laughs> especially, like, there's there's one particular scene in that skit where uh, <laughs> you go, the, he's like, uh, he turned the guitar down, like I'm gonna put it in the monitors, and then the, they turn it down, like on the amp, like, a little more, a little more, turn it down a little more, turn it down a little more, until the guitar is like literally not even on. And he's like, all right, still too loud, but I guess I'll have to do. Because right. uh, <laughs> sound guys are always telling you that they're they're. PA system that they have at their venue is going to be what go, everything goes through, right? They always want, but guitar guys want the tone of playing really loud. Sure. They don't trust the PA system, so it's always this constant battle. Right, and the bass player is just, he gets a five-second line check, and that's it. <laughs> you ever see that video? There's a, there's a guy who did this, like, mime video of, uh, of a band doing sound check, and he's just, he's mm. miming the whole thing and he, with sound effects, and that was the thing with with the, the joke there. The bass player plugs in. All right, play it you out. Know, boom. Okay, you're good. Next. After he just mm, I haven't seen that one. Fifteen mi minutes on drums. It's it's funny. But this video, yeah, I saw. I mean, this is you guys made this. This has been around for years. This, yeah. This. Yeah. We, I mean, we made a we made a couple of different videos, and uh, we actually shot a little pilot thing, mini pilot thing for a TV show that we want to create. Um, we're coming out with a book. Comes out in the end of 2019. Um, so yeah, we were, we're eager to make a whole bunch of different stuff. We just started a, our own podcast network and we, I saw that interview, yeah. interviewing a whole bunch of different, uh, punk, uh, characters. We've interviewed John Joseph from the Cro-Mags, Brian Baker from Minor Threat and Bad Religion. Um, just earlier today, actually, I, we interviewed, um, Choke from Slapshot. Um, so yeah, this week I think we have Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die. So if you're into, you know, alt harder music stuff um these guys are telling us some great stories we're having a lot of fun with it so right on that's cool yeah. and that's you and is it bill is yeah it, it's me it? and bill my co-founder okay. um yeah. bill was really the first person who believed in the idea of the website and it's kind of the combination of his voice and my voice which ends up making uh the hard times voice i got you okay and he was going to be with us but we had a little time fuckery that that it was probably my fault and so he, he wasn't able to make it but uh, yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't bail on a dinner plan that he had with his wife. Otherwise, he uh, puts in a lot of time into the website. So if he says he's going to go to dinner at a certain time, and he says, "Hey, sorry, I got to do another website thing," it's right. best that it's best that he goes <laughs> yeah. to dinner. Yes, got to keep the lady happy. Yeah. Um, um, oh, what was I? I'm just going to ask something, and I forgot. Um, all right, let me look at other articles here. Uh, I got a bunch of these up here. Man starting to suspect band was going to play encore no matter what. <laughs> I actually went on a date one time with a woman, and uh, it was the biggest age gap I had ever experienced before. I was 25, and she was 21, I think. Maybe, yeah. And uh, that was when I noticed that the age gap was going to be a thing, was uh, we were at some festival, and J. Cole had just finished his main part of his set and uh he she started walking away she's like all right we gotta get out of here like let's get back to the car and i was like 
he hasn't played his hit song. He's <laughs> 100% coming back. No one is falling for this. I've never seen someone actually fall for a uh, for an encore uh, like that, but that was when I noticed it. I was like, all right, I can't date anyone who's like younger than me, at least by more than a couple of years. <laughs> is this like I didn't see who wrote this here, but um I mean, you're you're not doing most of the writing now, you, right? You're uh, you have a ton of people working for you, yes? Yeah, I don't do all the writing. Um, I what I do is we have an interesting system where our writers actually pitch to every other writer on the website. You have to pass a test to get into that group, and then you pitch to everyone in the group, and then everyone gets a vote on each article, and then the the ones that get the most votes get to an editorial meeting where um, Bill, me, and Chrissy, one of our uh, former freelancers who became an editor. Uh, discuss them, tweak them, uh, debate their merits and sub subtext value, satirical uh, worth, and then uh, we decide which ones to publish. Um, so yeah, the original articles for Hard Times were written by me in two years before the site launched, and then I met up with Bill, and him and I worked in uh, private, just him and I working on establishing the voice for about three months and then we launched the website together in late 2014 so as far as the actual voice of hard times it's although it was my idea you can't truly contribute uh the voice of it just to me i i um i don't think i would have been able to do it without him he was a stand-up comic and i was a journalist so it was the blending of those two skills I got so you, I, I knew man. i knew what uh, a news article looked like and i considered myself to be a funny guy um and he kind of knew what the joke formats should look like and so it was those two skills and debating and, and pushing back and forth against each other that ended up creating the voice of the website right. and now we have contributors from all over um, but How, yeah so, so I, I have an influence on each headline but uh, no not at all I don't write them all and, and you do this full time like this is your full time job right yeah. yeah I'm lucky that this is my full time yeah. job um, and, but you built this amazing community now yeah I mean 250,000 I think on your Facebook page in, uh, yeah. Uh, um, so where was where does everybody meet? Is it on Facebook? Is you know people getting the votes for the for the articles? Is that or is that on your website or is that somewhere else? That was that is on face. So we built this thing kind of off of Facebook back when Facebook used to show your content to the people who wanted to see it. Um, uh, yeah, Facebook right. doesn't really do that that much anymore. So we've been trying to you know rely less and less on Facebook. Um, but yes, our, our writer pitch group is on Facebook, um, and we've been thinking about ways to take it off of it because we don't like Facebook as a company. Um, I see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we started our thing on Facebook. <clears throat> I think we have 200-something, 250, 60 over there, then a similar amount on Instagram. We've got some on Twitter, but we get, you know, two or three million uh, visitors onto the website each month directly. So that's um, that's where people really go to it, enjoy it, and engage with it. And uh, we're starting up this podcast, and uh, I think the first episode has 4,000 downloads or something like that. So we're, we're trying to build that community too. And then we're hopping onto a Patreon to support our podcast network, and we're hoping to build a community over there of like kind of the, our diehard fans, you know, the people who really are into it. Right. And want to listen to our podcast and uh, get to know the people behind the scenes right. and uh, hang out with us. So yeah, we're we're a couple of places. We're all over. So the majority of your traffic is just coming from organic searches from Google search engines, or uh, no? The ma majority still comes from various social media platforms: okay. um, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that sort of stuff. Um, Tumblr and Reddit, that that stuff. But um, I mean that 
the one the number that we care most about because the way that we're a business is that they're on our website. So, sure. you know, if I get 100 million impressions on Facebook, that's great. But if I don't convert those to traffic, like I don't, I'm still kind of shit out of luck, you know? Um, exactly. But Matt, when you do convert it to traffic, though, how does that turn into revenue for you guys? So we have a website which has ads on it. Um, and then we have uh, merchandise on the website. And we have uh, a newsletter. And we have a podcast. And we have a Patreon. So there's there's like a funnel, right? So it's like, let's say 3 million people come to the website. Um, a hundred of them each month will buy a t-shirt for 30 bucks or something like that. And, uh, each one of their, each eyeball is a, is, you know, a penny or so on, on the advertising dollars and we sell ad packages to festivals. Um, we'll do sponsored content and advertising banners and podcast advertisements. If you have like a festival you're trying to promote and it works really well, we can get people, uh, better, uh, money for their impressions, uh, we can get them a higher amount uh, than Facebook or anyone because if you're targeted towards music fans, we can do that. So um, we've had a lot of festivals who will come to us and they'll they'll buy an ad package from us. Uh, so people who click over to the website will see an advertising uh, thing or can get an opportunity to buy tickets to their festival and then we'll create some sponsored content about them and they can sponsor our podcast. And, I mean, if you... If you think about it, we actually just got a sponsor called Lander. They're like a, it's like an automated mastering service. So it's like AI that um, like ma masters your track for you um, instead of sending it to a mastering uh, place. Um, and so if you think about it, like if you have a, a product like that, you know, hard times is perfect because think about how many musicians, you know, we all end up mastering stuff. So it's like if, if that is a product that people want, this is a place where they might want it, right? Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's how we end up making it a business. So you don't have right, cool. any like AdWords on here or, or AdSense or anything like that on this website? No, we, uh, we have we have a a higher version of Ads. AdSense is kind of the I don't use AdWords. AdSense is kind of the like lower level thing. We use various exchanges, so AdX and you know a whole bunch of different header bidding options. Pretty much, if you go to our website. Um, a whole bunch of different companies bid and whichever one bids the most money, which is always like 12 cents or whatever, you know, right. um, then, uh, their ad pops up. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause you got, yeah, it's, it's called pro programmatic advertising. It's, it's where the industry is kind of headed. It used to be direct sales. It used to be more like the guys from vans would call up the publishers that they like and give them a certain money amount of money, you know, um, now it's, it's mostly technology solutions. Did you say programmatic? Is that what the word you used? Yeah, yeah, okay. programmatic advertising. Programmatic. That's the first I've heard of that. I need to get up to speed on it. Do you have like an advertising team or do you do it yourself? Um, I did it myself for a while. And I still do pieces of it myself. But now we've teamed up with Consequence of Sound. Um, they're another publisher and they're farther along than we are and a little bit bigger than we are. And uh, they have a tech team and, a, and an ad team and they run our ads now. So, um, yeah, I... If you're looking to get into that, I actually would, you know, you should hit them up. They're called Consequence Media. They're really good at it. Okay. Yeah, I would definitely check that out. See, I'm learning a lot on this podcast. I'm really happy you're here. Because, I, I mean... Well, it's, it's, it's one of those weird things, man, where it's like you don't think that, you know, you don't think that you have anything worthwhile. But if you have a lot of people looking at something, it is it is worthwhile. So Yeah, I mean, my thing, I started uh, about five years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So, and I've been mostly doing everything myself. Um, I, I have... Yeah. I have a guy who built the website, 
and but um, I moderate the group. I I, I do mm-hmm. posts on the page. Uh, deal, uh, we do the podcast, obviously, and uh, I do uh, the website as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, I envision this thing growing to be huge. I mean, I want it to be mm-hmm. the biggest and best website for musicians mm-hmm. you know, on the internet. Um, but I need to learn, like, doing this all myself. And I don't. I'm going to look into the stuff that you just talked about because that sounds like a killer way to go. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult world, honestly. The publishing industry right now is really rough, but there there is options out there. And uh, if you email me after this podcast, I'll point you in what I think is the right direction. No problem. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Very cool, man. It, what's even cooler is that you get to enjoy what you do every day, right? And it, like you said, it started with something that you were doing. Um, you know, that people try to tell you it was not going to be a good idea and you probably shouldn't do it, you know, but you, you followed your, your heart and you, you pursued it. And now it's grown into something viable and something you can be proud of and something you enjoy doing, which is what, you know, what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. I mean, uh, I'm very lucky in that way. I, uh, I wouldn't have ever expected it, but our fans are fucking, they're, uh, they're diehards, man. They're ferocious. They share it. Um, and they make it, a, you know, I did we started the company with $800. So, you know, you don't expect <laughs> wow. people to read that, right? Because it's like, it's really hard to get, get the word out, you know? Yeah. Um, but we are super lucky that our fans have supported us in, you know, I think some of our fans think that just because they haven't sent us money that they don't support us. But, you know, by, by spreading the word and letting people know that we exist, it's, it's a huge amount of support to us. It's what made us exist. So um, it's all them, you know, I'm just, I was just a guy who put it into action, but it really, it's just a community, right? But was it slow going in the beginning, Matt? Like when you guys first started, would it take a little while to get going, or like when did you first start to see that it was going to be, you know, something that you know maybe something was going to become of it? Honestly, no, it wasn't slow going. It was uh, we put it out and it just started spreading. And I think the first month, there's already millions of people on there. Um, the thing was, the thing that was slow going was understanding how to take that and sustain it and then monetize it. That right. was slow going. And that was a lot of learning on my part and building connections that I didn't have. It was very difficult and it took years. Um, but the actual popularity of the website, that came about right away. Um, maybe if I was more skilled or, or more savvy to this stuff, I could have done a better job in monetizing it sooner. But um, yeah, so we were lucky that our audience really sustained through a long form, long period of time. The one kind of big hurdle that we had to overcome was, I'm sure you guys were familiar with this too, was when Facebook decided that they were going to change everything to friends and family oriented not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. And the organic reach just plummeted. And that was kind of our bread and butter. It was just, we write good jokes and then people share them and people see them, right? Simple solution. Uh, after that, it was, oh boy, we got to work 10 times as hard to get to the same spot we were at. Um, but we put in the work and now we're actually back at that same spot. So we figured it out, but it was real rough and took a lot of time and effort and money. And w- w- what was the way the, the writers, new writers came about? Did you solicit that or did they just people volunteer what, you know, after you so, were doing the majority? So I, I think I'm like, because I grew up in the punk scene, I've got like this community oriented vibe to a lot of projects. And like when I read zines back in the day, it was always like, if you want to submit, you know, turn something in, you know, go review a show and turn it in. And so when I was starting hard times, like it said right on the website, like, hey, you want to submit something? Turn it in, you know, because that was that was where I came from. It was like a community oriented zine thing. And what ended up happening was we got really popular. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people wanted to start writing for the site. And now it's like a serious we don't want to change it. But we're one of the kind of rarities of the comedy world 
in like the bigger comedy publication world that takes open submission and actually reads them all because it's, you know, we get several a day with, with, you know, dozens of headlines in there. So we actually do read them all. And if we enjoy them, we get back to you and you become a writer for our site, regardless of your experience or anything. Um, so we still definitely have that whole, like, we don't care if you went to school for it. We don't care who else you've written for. If you've got the goods, we'll read your submission and, and we'll let you join up with us. Um, but it's a real pain in the ass. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause it's like, it's like a thousand headlines to one that we, you know, go, Oh, that's like the diamond in the rough. Right. Right. But I mean, you uh, guys yeah. are di- clearly on top of it because there's so much content coming out of that website. Uh, you know, I see it every day, at least a, a couple new articles every day. Uh, we take it pretty seriously. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where once we saw that people really liked it, we thought, you know, we could either, you know, just let this exist as is, or we can like go aggressive on this. And I was music editor at SF Weekly at the time. And um, I quit my job and I said, you know, I feel like this is almost a once in a lifetime opportunity for, I was in a lot of bands where you put in a little bit of effort and the effort never, the, it never comes back. The appreciation, you know, you, t- you tour the whole country and 30 new people like your band, right? Right. But all of a sudden I own this website where, I put in the effort and 10,000 people tell me they appreciate it, you know, and then yeah. I put in more effort and it's 20,000 people. So it was, I thought this is like almost a once in a lifetime opportunity to do a creative thing where people are actually listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I just said, fuck it. I'm, I don't have a mortgage. I don't have a wife. I, I'm just going to go for this. And there were a couple dark months. You know, it's a little bit of like, okay, I'm only going to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches now sort of deal. Um, Ramen noodles. But now, right. But now it's all stabled out and it's just a real thrill and we're expanding into a whole bunch of different topics. We're doing a lot of video game stuff. We have a new vertical called Hard Drive, which is like hard times for video games. I'm a gamer and um, that's been huge and it keeps growing. And uh, we have this book coming out, you know, and that's like through a real publisher and uh we're messing around with TV show stuff and we just started a podcast and you know, just a whole bunch of interesting. I just love being able to learn about new stuff, like it, learning how the pub, book publishing world works is like, it's a thrill, you know? Yeah. There's, um, there's so much of it too. It comes so fast and furious, but it's, it's, it's so incredible. The opportunity that the internet has afforded us to be creative wow. from our, you know, our couch. Yeah. It, yeah, like the democratization of it all, you know, to be like, hey, if you have good content, you can rise to the top. And it really was, I think Hard Time started in a really crucial time where Facebook really still kind of had that vibe that if you had the best content or the content that people wanted to see the most, they would show it to people. Right. And now that's not so much the case. Now it's how much are you willing to pay us to share this? You know what I mean? Like it's like a it's a little bit of a different ball game now. It's it's not as even of a playing field. Um, which is sad because I think if I started hard times now with $800, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we would survive. I think we would get drowned out. Um, and that's kind of sad to think about. So hopefully the internet moves in a direction where things where good content can just rise to the top. If people enjoy it, I, I don't even understand the notion that they're going for that. Yeah. People see this and they share it and they like it but we think deep down they don't like it or want to share it. You know, what well, are they? It's weird, what, right? What's the, what are the problems you're specific, having with Facebook specifically? That So, I mean, um, you know, it used to be we would put up an article, and if it was a, you know, we, we published some duds and we published some hits. If it was a hit, it would 
a million people would see it. You right. know, we would have a hundred thousand people who like us on Facebook, but it would be a million impressions right. because all everyone was sharing it, and then the people who were sharing it, the, those the friends of theirs would see it. Right. Sure. And then that that would translate to traffic, which would then translate to revenue. So we built a business off of that. Right. When they decided to go to friends and family, they literally overnight it was a seventy percent difference of the on the impressions, and then so like a seventy percent difference on our ad revenue. So it, we had a business that was always. Uh, you know, we didn't have investors or anything. It's just owned by a bunch of punk kids. So it was always profitable in the sense that if it wasn't, we couldn't do it. Um, and then all of a sudden, we just went immediately in the red where 70% of the impressions, so 70% of the traffic, so 70% of the revenue disappeared overnight. And we just sat around and said, wow, what the fuck are we going to do with this? Um, so we had to do a whole bunch of different things. Tried almost everything. Eventually, it, we pulled through, mm. but... Um, it's weird because, yeah. like, I, I mean, I have the I have a page and a group too, uh-huh. um, and they're they're two different animals on Facebook. Um, but I my post reach, like lately, especially uh, from the page, has been excellent. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's been really good. Um, I think they're loosening that choke. I think in the last maybe the last yeah. four or five months, they've kind of they kind of said, okay, we're, we're letting it back out again. Yeah, but maybe when they when they made that announcement of friends and family, it was brutal. And then it seems like they actually have been loosening it. You're right about that. Well, it was only it was wasn't only friends and family. It was groups too. That that was a mm-hmm. thing that they were going to focus on. So I have the mm-hmm. group and the group. I went from in uh, let's see, it's nineteen now. August of 2017, I had eight thousand people in that mm-hmm. group, and that was after it was it was live for about four years. Now I have 51,000 people. So I, you know, mm. I went wow. from 8,000 to 51,000 in a year and a half. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the group, the fact that they focused on groups more really benefited me for that. Yeah, so, so I thought about doing that. So this is, I'll tell you my little abbreviated story was we built up this big Facebook audience, and then they said, guess what, guys? Groups are coming. But they had already started choking our reach, and I had a discussion with my with my uh, my co-owners and editors and the whole team and we said you know what they burned us last time and we don't want to get involved with this group thing if they're going to change it later down the road now i'm super happy to hear they have it for you and that it's still working well but i i just thought you know what fuck it i don't care i'm not going to build a group i don't want to be a part of this system where uh some guy's lording over me and then the next time he sees some shiny object and decides groups aren't important anymore let's decrease the reach Right, right uh it's all fucked again, right? Yeah, so you're taking the matter into your own hands, which is smart, you know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to tell people, you know, like you, there's multiple ways to find us, and it's always on our website, and you know, go directly and all that sort of stuff, and it's pretty much worked. Um, the one thing that I actually just there was two news articles that came out today that I was featured in because Facebook and started inviting people to a a fan subscription uh, product that they decided to create which was you know you're going to be able to offer the people who like your facebook yep. page a subscription like five bucks a month yeah, or something yeah. like that i have it yeah on mine yeah for exclusive content yeah how's it working for you um not great <laughs> not good yeah um it's you know when i first the, the problem i'm having with it I, I mean i was thrilled about it when i saw that announcement i'm like this is great this is killer i got a hundred thousand people on here i'm gonna make a killing um mm-hmm. and then i you know i set it up and i set a, a price and I, I think I was aware at the time, but you can't change the price once you set that price. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I got nothing from it. You know, I, I made an announcement about it, and I got zero interest in it. And mm-hmm. 
and I felt like, well, what, what exclusive content can I put on here that I'm not already providing? So I was stuck there. And then in the last, I want to say the last three or four weeks, uh, I've had a few people to sign up just because they want to support the page. So they're paying mm -hmm. that amount per month. Um, but what I just did today, in fact, and I want to talk about this anyway for the audience, is um, I started a new group as an offshoot of the Cover Band Central group, and I, I'm calling it Cover Band Central Musicians, and this is a paid membership group. And the reason I'm doing this is because when you have a group where people can post you know, whatever they want, you get a lot of stuff in there that, that people don't, aren't interested in or, or is spammy. Or I have a rule, a guideline in that group is that you can't post event invites because it's a worldwide group. It's not your target audience. And mm -hmm. people still do it every day, every day, every day, several times a day. And I have to go in there and, and delete it, and people complain about it. The other thing is people are rude to each other. You know what the Internet is like, and people are just mm -hmm. hide behind keyboards and, and are, are assholes. Um, so people have complained about that to me and have asked me, can we have a separate group for this? And so, and you know, for the last couple of years, and then I was like, you know what, screw it. I don't have any of this Facebook stuff monetized. And I have the opportunity to do it here. So I started this group today. Um, you know, it's three ninety nine a month um, for, uh, you know, for whatever. You could cancel your membership anytime, but it's a group where none of that crap is going to be going on. So I'm going to see how that goes. I hope it goes well for you. Yeah. Um, I'm always in favor of, you know, creators getting paid. Um, so they invited me to the thing, and uh, I just thought about how, burned i felt after they changed our reach so much and how I, I don't trust them enough to build another thing on their platform like i don't want to hook up right. a whole bunch of different uh hook up people to this thing if they're going to change it later so i ended up looking at the terms of service and in the terms of service they say that they are free to crank it up to 30 percent that they keep themselves uh with, after giving you 30 days notice yeah, right. and that uh that they can like own all the content and there was one other thing that was weird. Um, but anyways, I, I you know, um, I said, this is insane. And so I just tweeted out all the different terms of service uh, on my Twitter. Um, I guess I should plug that if people want to read what I tweeted out. It's at Matt Sankum, uh, which is my name. My last name is S-A-I-N-C-O-M-E. And uh, it went kind of viral. And then a whole bunch of uh, tech journals actually wrote about it and Facebook had to like defend themselves and then they revoked the invite from me right before I came on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I had fun with that. The idea that I ruined someone's day at Facebook is like a joy for me. Like I really don't really don't like that company. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it and um, I can't see it lasting forever. I mean, it's had a good run and it's still still it still works for me, you know, but yeah, good. But uh, but I mean that's part of the reason I started the website too was to hopefully really transition off of Facebook. Uh, but hey, I got a question for for you guys. So Steve, if you have exclusive content at three ninety nine a month, Matt, in like your experience, is that a good price point for for content or access to things, or does do you think it varies with the level of information that you're getting con access to? Uh, three ninety nine. Um, I mean, I yeah, I don't know if I'm I'm not really like an expert in how much people want to pay for things. Um, I do know that we just started a Patreon for our podcast. Do you guys have a Patreon? Uh, no, and somebody else mentioned that to me before. Uh, so face, Facebook says that they can crank their, their thing up to 30%, and Patreon yeah. right now is at 5%, and I think you have to pay the credit card fees, which is like another 5%, so it's like 10%. Um, 
that seemed much more reasonable to me. I like their platform a lot better. And so I did that and we let people sign up for either $5 or $10, their choice. There's a couple different rewards. It was like, you can get your face on a hard time story or you get your, your name in a hard time story and uh, we'll follow you on Instagram and we'll tag you in a photo. So it's like you inside of a hard time story tag. So all your friends can see. And, uh, we, we actually saw like uh, 50 people signed up for that, like right when we launched it. Um, and a lot of them were choosing the $10 one. So I think it matters what you're offering them. If it's something that they think is interesting and they feel a deep connection to your brand, I think they'll sign up. I yeah, mean, I mean, it's not like Tony said about providing content, but it's it's not. This is really just building, building a new home for people. Yeah. And I, I will provide some unique content there, but it's not a, like I have to do daily, several times a day content. It's just I, I built a new house for everybody, a shiny new house where they can come in and everybody's going to behave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a new house is nice. Yeah, um, so it's so good it's to, rent, to hear that you're really. not going to have to do too much extra content work because that can be a real pain in the ass. Yeah, end. so it's it's basically three ninety nine is is your rent for for this for this member. It's yeah. a membership. It's you know? an asshole free form. Exactly. I mean, and you know, I think people put more value on things when they pay for them. They they take care, better care of things when they pay for them. You know, they'll, they'll shit all over uh, you know free stuff like like in the group because um, they there's no consequences, um, but. It's like, well, you know, I paid for this. I should really actually enjoy it. But given all the trolls and haters and all kinds of people on the internet, I think nineteen ninety nine a month to have no assholes in the conversation is. <laughs> well, I pay we'll, that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And actually, what I'm doing too is, and uh, Tony, you don't even know this yet, but what I decided to do was I was going to do two ninety nine, and then I said, you know what? Let me put it up a buck and let's give something back. So I'm giving twenty five percent of the the proceeds to uh, VH1 Save the Music Foundation. Mm. Um, because uh, I really founded this nice. thing, Matt, uh, when I started Carvent Central uh, in my mm-hmm. bedroom, on, I wanted it to be inspirational, educational, and entertaining. Those were my three criteria, criteria that everything had to meet. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, we're, we're all getting older, and our, our, you know, the famous rock stars and everybody, uh, they're getting older and they're dying, and eventually they're not going to be, none of them are going to be here anymore to carry this on to the next generation with the music. So the younger generation really needs to we need to su- support them in music or in arts in in learning crafts mm-hmm. you know and, and mm-hmm. um so so i yeah, that's like, a good idea so i felt like this is a win-win so i'm creating a, a nice new shiny new house for for the people that want it and we're all going to collectively give something back to uh to the kids so i'm i'm stoked about that because yeah that, that's cool man i think uh you know all these things are i'm always interested in hearing about what people are trying because you know we try a whole bunch of things that don't work we try some that do so uh yeah i'm i'm want to stay in touch with you guys and we can talk all about it yeah absolutely man but the key word there matt is trying right because yeah try stuff and you know take the failures and you learn from them and you you know you move on and, and apply that knowledge to going forward to what you can yeah, you know, make better the next time around, or, or look at it from a different perspective, or something. But we actually had we actually launched thought. right. We actually launched two satire websites that fail. So we uh, we launched Hard Times is really popular, and we wanted to expand out. So we tried two different ones. We tried a conspiracy theory website that was like satirical, and then we tried a pro wrestling and MMA website that was satirical, and both those were total flops. Even though I felt like they were really good, we just couldn't find an audience for them, so we had to kill them. And then we launched the video game one, and that one took off. Um, but yeah, yeah you got to keep trying. That was the key that you said, though. You know, finding the niche of the audience is the first piece of the puzzle, right? It's the first yeah. key. So you hone into, like you said, when you go to the gamer world, right? From your, like I said, punk type of, of perspective of community, that's a huge 
community. That's a mm-hmm. huge base right there, right? So if you can get that attention, you know, that's going to be huge just because of the interest that you're going to drive from it. Much like what Steve has with Cover Band Central, yeah. positions, you know, it's it's, it's yeah. a niche. It's it, it you're you're in, you know. Yeah, it's it's like okay, so here's the, it's the same thing where you start with cover band guys, and then you realize let's just do all musicians, and they realize there's like a hundred billion musicians, you know, and that's <laughs> you gotta you gotta get your foot in there with the niche, and then you gotta expand out, and that's like the the real trick, I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't not include. Um, people that play original music. You know, for me, it's all about musicians. And I think every single musician that has ever played any instrument has played a cover song at one time or another. Because you don't pick up a guitar to learn scales. You know, you <laughs> pick up a guitar to learn a song. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. so, so I think every musician that's out there in the world can relate to this. And, and uh, that's why I like to keep it as that niche um, because you know, everybody can kind of relate to uh, on one level. That makes sense. Another. Yeah, you, you you pick up guitar and you learn your favorite song. So the first thing that you are is a cover artist. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, and there's a ton of cover or original artists out there that have done covers, still do covers, do them all the time. Um, and so it's it's something that like even like the Roots, um, you know, the, the Jimmy Fallon's Night Show Band, killer original band, but they play on that show. They play mostly covers. They learn songs mm-hmm. and they play them. They didn't write them. Um, so, you know, from every from the kid playing the f- guitar for the first time up into that level and everything in between, the, you know, there's an audience for it. So, so that, yeah, it's, it, you so, know, at uh, at hardcore punk shows, the song that always gets the biggest reaction are, are the covers. <laughs> it's always like kind of a funny thing where we all make our own songs, but then like the biggest song of the night is usually just a cover of an 80s hardcore band. Right. <laughs> All right, here's another uh, headline. Rehearsal attended by angry neighbors and police qualifies as most successful show of the tour. Yeah, I like, I like that one. <laughs> and the yeah, I mean, I've, been on, I've been on some tours where literally zero paid. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, not the whole tour, but I remember we played a show in Portland once. Wait, no, Seattle. Zero paid. I remember we played one time in L.A. to zero paid, and... Uh, the security guard, we were like, we were like little kids who were like, we want to play. And the security guard was like, there's no one here. Like, but, and we said, well, we drove here, so we have to play. And he's like, I guess, but we're shutting you guys down as soon as you're done. Like, it's, the show is not happening, guys. We, we just, <laughs> we just played to an empty room. That's rehearsal. Right. <laughs> but like, as aggressively as we can, you know what I mean? Like, it was our big show. See, that's uh, what you should do. You pretend it's like packed, you know, even though it's yeah. completely empty. <laughs> yeah. They definitely just enjoy jamming. Yeah. I mean, we did, I did that when I was a kid. You know, we would play in rehearsal room and just act, act like we're playing to 50,000 people. Just mm-hmm. you know, posers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, where do you That's get... That's part of the fun. Yeah, it is. This image uh, for this article, it's just a bunch of cops standing in a circle outside of somebody's garage. And I mean, is this an original photo? Where do you get your, your photos from? I don't know off the top of my head that one, but what we do is we have a, a Shutterstock and then we have creative commons and we have uh photos from different scene photographers music music photographers around the country who have contributed and then we have photo editors stitch them all together to make like uh composite images so like we'll take a character out of a foreground and put them into a new background right all that sort of stuff we actually just got a guy on board who um the main guy is uh uh, chris bavaria he's um a, a musician who i i booked his band's tour uh tour date in my area he played in a great band called mindset he plays in a band called No Heads now. Most of the people at this uh, company are, are musicians. Um, but we uh, just got a guy on board 
do some freelance work for us that actually worked for Mad Magazine, who's a big fan of Hard Times. He's, he's going to do some of our photos now, too. So it's actually really hard to do the photos. It's kind of like harder than the words, to be honest. But yeah, uh, we do. Our- Oops. Did I lose you guys? Oh, no. uh, I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm here. Oh, okay. I lost you for a second there. You did, you did, I didn't you touch anything, that. I swear to God. Okay, it's still on. Don't touch okay. anything. Yeah, we've we've had technical issues, Matt, where where everything just has cut off. Yeah, for sure. Using Skype is the thing. Um, that, that's the excuse I use too when someone's rambling. I want to get them off the podcast. Sorry, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, it's, Skype. It's, it's that's why you're here, Matt. <laughs> you're here to ramble. It's a it's an audio show, so we need you to talk. <laughs> it's good. Um, I'm gonna read another headline here. Stagehand really going to town on flashlight and mouth. See, th- th- again, a headline that just is just the headline is hilarious. I don't even need to read it. Um, the, uh, the coiling cables was really popular. Yes, yes, yes. The coiling that cables. One? Yeah, I read that one too. Yeah, um, <laughs> and that's again a thing that every musician kind of can kind of relate to has experienced this at one time or another. And, and even if they didn't experience it, they can still relate to it, regardless yeah. of what you play or where you are. And that's the thing I love about sites like yours and, and the stuff that we do, um, how universal it is. Yeah, it's fun. It also, uh, I, I realize sometimes people share it and they end up making friends uh, through it. Like they share it and then someone else uh, relates to it and they realize they both have these common interests and they become friends. And uh, I notice a lot of people tell me and when I wear, like when I wear my hard time shirt, like people walk up to me and go, I love that website, you know, and it's. Um, my friends tell me, like, if you wear a hard time shirt in particular places, you know, at, at like, you know, rocker bars or whatever, uh, you make a friend. And I think that's really interesting because it's like it's kind of expressing that, hey, I have these uh, experiences in the music world and I have these subcultural references and uh, you and I are, you know, similar in that way. Like, it's like a way of saying, like, hey, I know that problem about coiling cables, too. Right, right, right. Uh, and that's like a weird, unique thing that people don't talk about, but it is like a, a similarity that people have. So I like that people are able to bond over the jokes. And, um, you know, the, the musician community in general has like a lot of dark stuff attached to it, like not so positive stuff. So it's good to inject some positivity in there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping it light. I like that. Um, yeah. I need me a hard time shirt. I need to. No, I'll send. I'll send you guys both one. I need some friends. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Thanks. You'll definitely. Yeah, it. thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, let me see what else we got. I think that was all the articles. I, was there anything I sent else I sent you, Tony? Oh, let me see that right here. Hang on. I think that was all the ones. That, I was just trying to pick. There's so many on there. Like I was, I, you know, I'm scrolling through, you know, page um, after page, yeah, after, page after page, like trying around. to. Trying to find the ones that I wanted to, to pull out. One of my favorite of all time was uh, Punk on Shark Tank wants $25 to make some pins. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites of all time. This is simple, but I just love the, I love the small-minded nature of it, that that's all he has to pitch. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the imagery. There's some, there's some that I thought were funny that are like our historical bombs on the website. Like... Uh, my co-founder Bill wrote one that I always give him shit about, but like it was like one of the least liked articles ever. It was uh, like Crust Punk gets embarrassed. Crust Punk gets extra long butt flap stuck in escalator. <laughs> 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 and then it's just like this Crust Punk. You know they have like those patches on their back. Yeah, like, yeah. Covering their butts. 
Um, and it's like stuck in the escalator and he's just like worried. It's so stupid, but I thought it was so funny and we ran it. And that day we were like, is it, is the website broken? Like, why is no one on the website? <laughs> oh, no one liked the joke. Yeah, that's so funny too when you think you, know, you, sit, you got ones that you think are going to be great and go over huge, you know, and other ones that you think are stupid, but it's just the opposite effect. Oh, dude, it's 100% the opposite. It's like my my humor has like been warped by my time looking at all these headlines. So I always like the ones that are like just bombs, you know. It's just like, I also like the really dark ones, like the ones about like dead animals or relatives and stuff, and like no one likes those. Dude, and, I thought one of the funny ones, not to cut you off on your website, was that said, shit show, flyer artist forgot to list venue, ticket price, time, date, and butt bands were playing. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah I was, I, in our editorial meeting, I was the guy who added shit to that. Um, just because I thought, I was like, oh, shit, man. Yeah. That's a, yeah. dude, the, fly, the flyer problem. I actually had a guy one time, I was playing a show. And the, the guy who was in charge of making the flyer brought it to me at the show. And I thought, what are you doing? But you <laughs> like, know what's funny, dude? I relate to that one because I had a buddy of mine that was in a band one time, and he had a flyer made with the band's name, with the time, with everything on it, with no venue. <laughs> <laughs> and he was oh, handing out like crazy. And I remember he was like, yeah, dude, where are you playing? He was like, oh, no. Uh, I mean, it really, okay. it really does Yeah, happen. it happens all the time, but the fact that like a guy like we didn't have a flyer for the show like hey man you got to make a flyer for the show and he's like yeah i will and then literally we were rolling up to the show and he's handing us printed out flyers <laughs> for the show we're thinking what how is this going to help man just stand out, have someone sit outside front of the venue and hand them out that's <laughs> <laughs> great it's it's so funny cuz it relates really a lot to people in the in the CBC group they'll they'll come in and they'll say you know, hey i'm looking for a, a you know a bass player hit me up and they don't say anything else <laughs> they don't, that like, could be for anything yeah. where are you i mean it's a worldwide group where are you you know what yeah. and, and it's a big running joke in that group too because people <laughs> but dude i mean some of the i like, like a, a reggae band in new zealand or something yeah. you know Just no information yeah no information so i but the people are hilarious in the group because they jump on that or because it happens every day <laughs> so people come in and they put in funny gifs or gifs however you want to say yeah, um, it's and, funny. and and you know like like i'll be right you know event invites they come in and people put the like, i'll be right there <laughs> Wait, I, it's only 600 miles away. I'll be right there. I, lo I love the just like looking for a guitar player. You know, like, what yeah. are you doing, man? We get are you like an electronic duo or something? <laughs> or, you know, like it could be anything. You rap rock group from Alabama. Who knows? Uh, dude, it happens every day. It's crazy. It's crazy how people just don't have that enough common sense for to put the venue on the flyer, you know, type of thing. <laughs> Come on. But it is it does create some fodder for humor. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think the hard times is all about, uh, you know, those those experiences you guys just told me about. You know, your friend forgot to put the his band's venue or the venue his band was playing at. It's just stuff like that. That those are experiences that we have that other people don't, and that's 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 the backbone of the website. And then from there, we're just we also critique culture in general, and we do some broader topics. But it's good to have a place where we can go. Oh, like I want the website to be a thing where you guys. When we write about broader culture in general, you can you can go. Oh, we know that those guys are musicians. They're kind of like us, you know. It's like a community yeah. thing. Yeah, so, but, but yeah. I think you have to get the humor too. Like, you know, like the witty sure. thing. Like I'm on the website right now, and it says, "Friend asking around for wood like it grows on fucking trees." <laughs> 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 
Yeah, that's actually from our that's that's from our, uh, our nerd vertical, like the hard drive. And that one is a, a particular, it's a joke that goes broad, but it's also a particular reference to um, the board game uh, Settlers of Catan, where you have to trade for wood. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so that, that hard drive has been a big growth thing for us. I think uh, about 40% of our traffic now comes from hard drive. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I think there's, like, so I come from the musician world, but I always, man, I grew up playing video games. I was like, those are the two things I did. I played in bands and I played in video games or played video games. And uh, I think that the world of video games is so much bigger than like the, I think there's like no ceiling on that one. And I think Hard Times uh, has like a little bit of a ceiling. Maybe not if we just like branched out and covered pop music. Uh, maybe we should do that a little bit more. But um, the the hard drive, it just we already are at 40% of the website traffic and we're only a year in, you know, so the growth pattern there is really exciting. Um, and there's no one else doing it. Well, there's a couple of people who do it, but they don't do it as frequently. There's a really good one called point and clickbait. Um, and he's been doing it for longer than us, but he just, it's more of like a part-time thing for him, I believe. Um, so well, that's evident, yeah. like the, the amount of content that you have, you know, yeah. right at, right out of the gate when you look at the website, you know, yeah. it, it shows that you got a lot of resources working on it. Well, that was one of the main things with any project I've been involved in. I feel like one of the main things that gets you an audience is consistency. People are hesitant to latch on emotionally to things that might be a flash in the pan, you know? Um, right, so right. as soon as we launched the website, even when we had no resources and no audience, it was an article a day, um, every day at the same time. Right. So if you like the page, you're, you know, hey, the time's rolling. Around. It's like they're going to be one tomorrow. And then people started looking forward to the next thing that we were going to do. And I think that that's kind of like why bands always have to be on tour or always working on a new album. You have to like stay in touch with people through your art. Um, otherwise, they lose interest. You got, yeah, you got to stay in front of their eyes for sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, like I do posts for the page and I schedule them ahead of time and I do 11 per day and they're at the same time every day and they have been for years. So, yeah, the consistency mm -hmm. thing does, I really think it does help. A lot. It's big. It's a big part of human nature, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a lot of success with that. So, um, All right. Well, we're in an hour, believe it or not. That flew by. Yeah. Um, Matt, Sancom, uh, a pleasure to have you on, man. It's great to meet you. And th thehardtimes.net is the site. Uh, everybody go check it out and, and read about it. And, uh, and I, you know, like his Facebook page, too, you know, even though you don't like yeah, and much. if you like podcasts, go to thehardtimes.net backslash podcast, and we have our own, and you can check it out. And I appreciate you guys having me on, and I hope we stay in touch and uh, talk about musician shit and uh, online internet content creator shit. We definitely will, but uh, stay on the, I'm going to play the theme and roll us out, but you can stay on the line for a second. Cool. Well, Wisdom well, Hour number 51. Beat, brother. Make sure you're scared of Yeah. <laughs> Wisdom Hour number 51, that's a wrap. We'll be back next week. Facebook.com slash Grand Central. GrandCentral.com. Get on it. achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? 
Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shot? Would they shot? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.